Hello again and welcome to the fifth podcast off the water brought to you from the national governing body RA Scotland. During this podcast we aim to give a voice to the Scottish boating community, bring together all aspects of getting afloat and joining the Scottish waters together. If you haven't listened to some of the other podcasts uh, please go back and have a listen, there are some great conversations. I'm Nikki Stewart for those who have missed our other podcasts and I'm hosting alongside Jack Mitchell this week, we've got Robin Nickel and Claire Caffrey join the conversations too, which is fantastic to have them with us. Um, the podcast is produced and edited by Mark Turner, and it takes really takes a team to make this happen. Yeah, it's really nice to hear from some of our other teams this week. Robin and Claire take to the airwaves together. They did an absolute amazing job. Over this series of podcasts, we aim to hear from our whole team and provide an insight into our work for the boating community in Scotland. The podcasts are usually about 30 minutes long and through the series we'll look at all aspects of boating. It's worth mentioning that our podcasts are now available on more platforms. We are on Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and now YouTube on an RSS feed. Just a quick disclaimer, these are the thoughts of our own and of our guests. If you've got any comments or complaints, please drop us an email to podcast at ryscotland.org.uk. Right. What's coming up this week in the podcast? It is an absolutely exciting one. The theme of this podcast is all about women in sport uh, and looking at that personal journey. So super excited to hear from a truly amazing person and a different sport. Ailey Gibson is going to be talking all about her journey and some of the amazing things that she's doing. We've also got another um, VR win on, on the cards for Scotland. Um, and we're going to be looking at, uh, and Nikki and I are going to be sort of chatting about some of the things that are happening in the world of the guidance. So time's moving fast at the moment, and it feels like we're busier than ever. So what have we been working on, Nikki? Yeah, it definitely feels super busy at the moment. Well, we've had some new updates from the Scottish Government over the last couple of weeks. So that means that a lot of work behind the scenes, working together as a team to interpret the guidance to understand it and pull together some really useful information for our boating community. We're, we're really keen that this information uh, is relevant and is robust for everyone to understand and also a helpful bit of advice for people. I think we've been really pleased with the indicative dates that have been released. This gives us a bit more opportunity to plan and something more concrete for us to be able to share with our community. Uh, which is really important. The guidance has been released at the same time as this podcast, so you can visit our website to have a look at the full information and there'll be a link in the bio as well. From a personal side, the element I'm most looking forward to is the travel restrictions being lifted, which means I can go and visit our boat because it's a bit more than five miles away, so we've not been to go and see her. We've got a little bit of prep work to do and then we'll be moving her to the mooring for a couple of months to hopefully get away and do a wee bit of sailing. Definitely been missing being out on the water. Um, but I do hope the to-do list isn't too long so that we can get her on the water as soon as possible. We've been continuing to run regular training centre discussions and also weekly connect sessions, which are open to everyone. This allows people the opportunity to ask questions and share ideas but please keep an eye on our events page on Facebook. We've been sharing some of the love around the podcast with the rest of the team. Our resident paddler, Claire Caffrey, and windsurfer, Robin Nicol, caught up with an athlete from the sport of canoeing, Ailey Gibson, and tells us all about her personal journey with her sport and how she inspires an award-winning initiative aimed at women and girls participating in sport. Thanks, Jack. We talked a lot about sports that what sport gives us in our last episode. 
in terms of our mental health and how sport and wider outdoor activities have the real power to change lives. I have to admit my main sport is canoe slalom and Ailey Gibson's story really resonated with me and with the topics we discussed. So here I am on the podcast for the first time with Robin Nicholl, who's also a paddler as well as a sailor, and Ailey to find out a little bit more. Hello, yes. Um, so it's pretty exciting to have Ailey here and a chance to hear some what other sports uh, are doing and how they're embracing opportunities. There's lots of ties into the current work that we're doing, uh, obviously with the pioneers, but uh, with the changing lives as well. I mean, as it was mentioned, I have been a bit of a paddler in a previous life. I would love to get back in a boat. But actually, my priority and love at the moment is windsurfing. But I suppose, you know, we're really keen to hear, you know, what lessons you've learned, um, but also the why we're inspired, what it is and how we go about doing this. Because uh, a lot of this transcends multiple disciplines and sports. And um, so it should be good, uh, ready to learn a bit more about slalom racing from a professional. This is going to be exciting. Ailey Gibson of Great Britain. So we're into the final four competitors in this, the C1 Women's Final. So hello Ailey, thank you for speaking to us today. Hi uh, Claire and Robin, thanks so much for having me. It's such a cool opportunity to be on this podcast, I'm quite excited. Well, we were really keen to speak to you because you speak very openly and quite often about what sport has given you and how much of your current work has centred around what women and girls in particular can get from being involved in sport. Ailey is a canoe slalom athlete and has been winning medals for the British team for quite a few years now. She's finished fourth in C1 individually and won gold in the team event at the World Championships in 2017. She's picked up a silver medal at the London World Cup race in 2014 and she has a growing pile of team medals. She's been doing all of this alongside studying biomedical sciences at Edinburgh University. But I know that you have done quite a bit of sailing over the years um, with your family. So can you start off by just telling us a little bit about some of the sailing that you've done? Um, I'm definitely not qualified to talk about sailing on the on this podcast, but kind of grew up paddling, uh, paddling sailing on the West Coast um, with my family when I was wee. We used to go around um, every second weekend. I think we were out on the boat and going around Tobamori and just all all the little kind of hidden gems on the West Coast. And we also used to go to Furbish on um, Loch Tay for family holidays in the summer and used to just go and take out topazes and basically I just capsize them and sit on the top. I just couldn't get out of the water. It was more more in the water than wanting to sail. But no, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, so... The- You've been to some hot spots in terms of sailing, uh, and you've certainly been in a variety of boats. That sounds very exciting. A little bit on how did you get into paddling? And I suppose from there, why did you get into slalom paddling? Um, that was actually through my my mum and dad as well. They were slalom paddlers. That's how they met. My mum was in the British team. My dad was in the Scottish team. And um, they met through the sport, got married, all, and I kind of grew up with all their canoeing friends and their kids, and we used to basically be dragged along to the river because mum and dad wanted to go canoeing and it was never really my thing I loved swimming and that was my passion and then I slowly started to as I did more canoeing I started to fall in love with the sport and the people and being outside and and realized that that was more of a sport for me than swimming. Excellent and just a quick question on on the slalom what what is it about slalom that really you know gets you motivated? 
I think at the start it was going paddling with my friends. I really quickly found a lovely group of friends in the sport and we used to like beg our parents to take us up to Grantley every weekend so we could go paddling. And I, I think as I've done it more, it's that feeling when you're when you're in a boat and you're on a wave and you're flying off the end of a wave and you can just feel, I don't know, when you feel when you hit the eddy line and I, I swap my blade in my hand and it's just that feeling when you're like dancing on the waves that nothing really comes close yeah I can uh, I can feel that that's um yeah I've been there uh, enjoyed those very moments um I suppose for many of our community in the sailing and windsurfing a lot of those feelings of freedom um being social with others is really there so Ailey you're clearly very passionate about competition and traveling all over the world but you've been clearly putting plenty back into the sport. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about your project, Slalom Inspires? What made you set up and how do you find the time to do all of this? Um, it actually came from, well, I, I had just finished university in the summer of 2018 and I was I was like finished with uni and I was ready to be a full-time athlete. I'd just had a... Mm, mm, massive headache of four years trying to balance uni and canoeing and and I was super excited to be an athlete and then my long-term shoulder problem was diagnosed and I was told that I was going to have to take six months out the boat and I kind of went from having literally no time to having loads of time in my hands and and I'd always had this passion for women and girls in sport and I thought you know what I'm going to use this time to, to do something and I wasn't sure what that something was and I decided right, I'm going to run an event for the girls in our sport and I mean at the start it was literally it was ridiculous I was going to get like every girl in slalom in the UK to and put on like millions of workshops but I was talking to sensible people made me realize and tone it down and make it realistic and we ended up running in November of that year a few months ran an event the first slalom and spars event where we had 60 girls come from every home nation in the UK down to the London Olympic course we had uh, workshops and rafting and like team building activities and I really hadn't didn't know what to expect and it was just this the weekend was kind of magical I can't really describe it any other way there was just this positivity in the air that I hadn't experienced and I realized quite quickly after talking to the paddlers and the volunteers and the parents that this is this is something that we need to continue and so spent I spent a few weeks recovering from (laughs) from the weekend but after that I was really kind of get the ideas hat on and think about how we can make this project sustainable so since then in 2019 we ran four events we had one in three smaller events one in each home nation and our regional events which were younger girls and then we had another big national event um, at the Olympic course where we had Catherine Granger came and did a talk which is just ridiculous because she's my ultimate hero and and it's really kind of the the organisations kind of blossomed from there. What did you, when you set out with this project, what was, what did you aim for it to do? What did you hope that participants would get, would take away from it? It's it's interesting actually because I think that's morphed from the start. Um, the first one I wanted to give the girls opportunity to be exposed to strong female role models we had athletes from different sports Rona Lloyd who's a Scottish rugby player she came down to do a talk about body image and 
like having what's it like to have muscles as as a female in sport and then I I think as it's gone on and I've talked to the girls and it's been amazing because I've got to connect with the young girls that are in our slalom community and I realize how much canoeing means to them and how important it is in their lives and it gives them friendships and confidence and it makes them better people better versions of themselves that they can then go and do whatever they want to do with their life and and all of their passions and so I think now it it is really giving girls opportunities to to become the best versions of themselves and using canoeing as, as a vehicle for that change. So from that initial idea from that first event how do you think the project has changed? How has it evolved? I think it's been important for me to understand that I can't do everything on my own. At the start, I mean, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect, but certainly the goals were along the lines of inspiring the girls in our sport, of introducing them to really strong female role models. So, for example, we had a body image talk where we had um, Rona Lloyd, who's a Scottish rugby player, and Deborah Kerr, who's um, a sprint athlete, a canoe sprint athlete, came down to talk to the girls about the challenges around um, having strong upper body big upper body muscles and and how they've overcome that those challenges and I think as the project's progressed and as a, as I've talked to the girls I mean it's been amazing I've got the opportunity to really get to know the young girls in our sport and I see actually what the events mean to them and what canoeing means to them and how important it is and they've really affected me and changed my lives and hearing their stories hearing how important canoeing is to them what it gives them the confidence, the gain, the friendships they build and how that really helps them to become better versions of themselves in any aspect of their life. I think that's what Slalom Inspires is now about. It's about giving the girls opportunities, exposing them to these incredible role models and helping them get the most out of sport and staying in the sport to to become the best versions of themselves. That sounds absolutely fantastic, Ailey. You've mentioned before that you want women and girls in sport uh, and obviously specifically within paddle sports but you know across the wider spectrum you know about having the same opportunities as men why do you think they don't have the same opportunities and um, another amazing question i find it easier to think of it as a running race so you, you've got a girl a young girl and a boy at the start of this running race and they start together and in the the girls lane there might be a barrier that come up as say a hurdle that could be for example there's less football clubs than uh, for girls than there are for boys or in my sport there what there were three spots for men to go to the olympics and there were for women i mean my class is only going to make its olympic debut in tokyo so that's the first barrier and you might find some girls drop out because of that barrier but but that's okay some overcome it and keep going and then there might be another barrier which is there's less female role models in mainstream media I mean I think it's five percent of um sports media is is female sports in the UK at the moment and and although there's loads of work going on to overcome this that's still a barrier I mean girls don't certainly I didn't grow up with seeing sweaty muscular females all over newspapers and tv um so that's another barrier and you, you see all these barriers in the the girls lane and, and for sure i'm not saying that that boys don't have barriers to overcome of course they do but there's far less gender-based barriers and so you get to the end of this race and there's fewer girls participating in sport than there are boys and and really the work that i i'm doing and and hope that what other people certainly are doing and and hope to inspire other people to do is just try and take away some of those barriers that the girls face. 
Yeah, no, I, I can really um, align with uh, your philosophy on the, the, the race. In fact, the subtleties and barriers may be down to coaches, it may be down to the way the events are put together. Uh, as you mentioned there, the Olympics, you know, having more categories for men as opposed to women, these are just subtle barriers, but fundamental ones, which actually can demotivate or can actually have a bit of a detrimental effect to people's perception of the sport, i.e. not having the same uh, level of uh, importance. I mean, from a personal point of view, uh, going to international events and finding that the men's race or the boys' race was all, always held last because it was seen as being the better one. Oh, the amount of our discussions we had about this. I'm with you on it. I'm very much... Um, I, I do really like that analogy you've got around the race and the hurdles. There just seems to be more in the girls, uh, whether they are perceived barriers or whether they're actual physical barriers. I definitely think they are there. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think when they're when they're so subtle and they're just part of the system, it's just like, oh, well, that's that's how it is. And I think it, it therefore needs active change to to change the system. So that's not just how it is. And I yeah, I remember saying I, I had countless discussions about gender equality when I was far too inexperienced to have talk any sense about it with teenage boys, which was never going to end well when I was younger. And I remember sitting in a cafe up at Grandly, actually, after a training session and the boys saying, well, well, what inequalities have you ever faced? How have, and I, I remember saying, well, I won Olympic selection for the 2016 Olympics. But I didn't go to Rio because my class wasn't in Rio. But if I was a, a boy, then I would have gone. And I think just because it's so in the system and that's just how it is, doesn't mean that that it's OK. And I think it is just obviously it's not never going to change overnight, but it's just doing little things that that we can do to help change it. Yeah, definitely. You know, having a positive vision around what what aspects we can achieve by reducing the barriers, by in some cases just eliminating them, makes a huge difference. Also increases motivation for people to participate and get engaged with it. Yeah, it's a topic close to my heart. As I said, um, you know, I've seen it from a coach point of view, seen it from a dad point of view, uh, and obviously having a, a conversation, lots of conversations with my daughter about it. It, it became quite important uh, as to the effect it was having on her, and I found that really frustrating. And, and sometimes the subtleties of it really, really, I found disheartening because quite a lot of time people just weren't aware that there was an issue or they would do, coaches would do certain things with boys uh, around communication, which they wouldn't do with the girls because they'd be worried about perception. But in actual fact, there shouldn't be a difference. You know, it's those subtleties which really start to uh, kind of come to the fore. <clears throat> it's great to hear that you're, you're driving this forward. Great to hear that you are really keen to challenge these kind of elements I'm just curious is there have you noticed a shift already a shift in terms of people's perceptions or the effect that we've had on on our on the girls in our community well you've led me down uh, two paths there so I'll say yes to both I think in terms of people's perceptions we've certainly had people say oh well what about slalom and spires for boys and why isn't there something for boys and my response always is that Actually, it would be incredible to have something like this for boys. I mean, they face challenges that girls don't face as much. So, for example, male suicide in teenage and young adult boys is, is really, really high. And it would be incredible if you could run a similar slalom as far as project for them and, and look at the barriers that they're facing. But I, I just don't have the time to do this. Like I do this voluntary and my passion lies with women and girls in sport. And I think 
as soon as the onerous is put on and so I say oh well if you want to do it I can give you all the material I'll support you and as soon as the onerous is put on someone else then everyone kind of freezes up so I, th- I think that certainly that's how I deal with challenging comments that way on the most part everyone has been incredibly supportive and I mean the response that we've had from volunteers from organizations that really just want to support us and give up their time and their weekends or facilities to they understand the cause and they're passionate and I've heard from so many dads like yourself Robin and almost anyone in our community that that really wants to help so that certainly fills me with a lot of confidence and positivity that people do want to help I think a lot of the time people just don't know how to and I think one of the things that Slam Inspires has done is to give people an opportunity. So, so some of the girls that used to used to paddle and have gone off from the sport now have come back and, and helped out of our weekends and they've loved it. And it's been great because I've seen old friends and it's been great for them. And But it's given them like a, a way to do that. Whilst if they're just sat at home and thinking, how on earth can I help this? How on earth can I change a system? It's like, well, where do you even start? And the other one was about the girls in our community I'll give you an um, an anecdote of, of one of the girls that came to our national event last year so she's 15 or 16 and she's just about to do her GC well she was going to be doing her GCSEs this summer but she came along anyway for one day and she heard Catherine Granger's talk and, and actually it was coincidentally Catherine Granger's ended up talking about how she'd done her PhD alongside rowing and, and how important the education side was for her and um, her dad emailed me after this weekend and said that she had gone away she'd come to the weekend and thinking I'm gonna quit canoeing I just can't balance it with sport and I'm being pressured to get onto these programs and she came away thinking well I love going canoeing I can still go canoeing and it's but I don't I don't want to do it competitively that's fine but I can still go go paddling for fun and see my friends and how good that's going to be for her for her to balance her studies because actually it's, it's really important when you're studying to go outside and, and get some get some time away from it and get some exercise and so that was I mean that just like warms my heart because you I think when you talk to the the girls and actually who you're trying to make a difference for and you you see what just one day and incredible role models and support can do for them then then it makes the whole thing worth it. I think that that day came just at the right time for that particular girl and I think from from my personal experience of having been involved in in sport um, and come through the other side and now just a working mum is I think the more girls more women who are made aware of some of the barriers that you've talked about and also some of the little things that you just take as as being normal what why can't they change like you say, Ailey, that they, just because it's always been that way, it doesn't need to stay that way. I was actually listening to an interview with Katie Archibald, the track yeah. cyclist, who's quite outspoken about female issues um, in sport as well. And that was one of the things she'd made a sort of passing comment in one of the columns she writes regularly for one of the cycling magazines that some of the terminology they use in, in, in track cycling where they talk about, you know, man on or or man number one. Why, why does it have to be man? And she got a lot of challenges of, well, you're just picking fault at something. It doesn't make any difference. And she's like, but if it doesn't make any difference, why does it have to be man? When there are so many, when we're trying to get more women into sport, more girls inspired by sport, 
But anyway, I digress. Looking around, we, we see in the media and on social media, a lot of campaigns now. Um, British canoeing are doing sheep paddles. This girl can um, campaign. Um, in Ireland, they have If She Can't See It, She Can't Be It campaign, which has been really, really popular over there. Do you think they're making a difference? Do you think sporting governing bodies are going far enough to tackle this issue? Um, firstly, Claire, I'd just say definitely not just a working mum. You're absolutely <laughs> awesome. I think anyone that's put money and effort into a campaign, they clearly want to make a difference. And I think if everyone's chipping away and chipping away and it's making a difference to one or two or three girls, then it's making a difference. But that definitely doesn't mean that more can't be done. One of the things that Salm Inspires has really empowered me and I'm just an individual and I, I've made a difference. And even if it is such a, f- a small number of girls, like I know that I have made a difference. And I, I think that like I didn't do events management at uni. I mean, I did biology. I was really like didn't have a clue. I'd write a risk assessment. But if you have an idea and you go and ask for help, then in my experience, people are more than willing to help. And put their time and effort into it because they they believe in it as well and so I think that yeah I think governing bodies have a huge a huge amount to do I mean I don't think we should stop talking about this issue until we really do see parity across sport and that's across every level that's across elite categories at the Olympics to participation to coaching to media representation to board levels I mean like literally across everything and I think by no means we're near that but I think also every little helps and if anyone has an idea or wants to be involved with something then get in touch with the podcast or get in touch with me or get in touch with your organization and say look like I've got an idea how are you going to support me thanks very much for that Ailey um we had a, a brief chat prior to the interview just about some of the projects that RWA Scotland does. And we discussed the Pioneer project, uh, which we were very excited about. Uh, it's still growing. It still has uh, some work to do. Um, but it's really in, in, intrinsic to some of the work that we, we would like to do in the future. I'm just wondering, do you have any advice you would like to give them? I think from the signs of the Pioneers project, it sounds a really exciting project that I'm sure is going to make a difference to lots of lives. My words of advice would be to include volunteers and show how much you appreciate them and and their ideas and because I think I mean I definitely could not have built this on the stuff that I've done on my own it's it's massive team effort and also that I mean Claire was was just mentioning when we were chatting before about um there's so many places to start because when you want to change everything you want to change coaching and participation and different ages what I'm learning is that it's all just this huge big positive circle so if you're going to get more young girls participating, then they're going to see more young girls participating. So more are going to come. If you're going to get more female coaches, then that's been shown to increase number of girls coming into the sport. If you're going to get more um, older women and mums participating, then they're going to be incredible role models for their young girls when they grow up. So I think it's just starting somewhere because it's, it's all going to come back round in a circle, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I mean, your, your motivation uh, shines through. Um, and for me, I, I hope that the pioneers are able to hear that um, because that's a big motivating factor for me to get involved with initiatives. Uh, and I hope that they pick that up too. Thank you. There's a very young Scottish paddler, Edith Gibson. Uh, no one was really expecting her at GB Team Trails. Or at least... So, Ailey, I've clearly followed your journey through the sport. Um, many a time have I been sat in front of the laptop watching you at races. 
somewhere much sunnier than my back garden um, with the kids saying, look, come on, come and cheer on Ailey, edge of the seat stuff. Um, and really, really enjoyed it. I also followed a bit about your award from UK Sport, the very first social impact award that you won for your work with Slalom Inspires. You mentioned in the interview how being involved in Slalom Inspires has helped your relationship with the sport and to keep it a positive relationship through your difficult times with injuries and Olympic selection and all the things that come with competitive sport. Can you tell us a bit more about what you draw from running Slalom Inspires? What impact it has on you personally? It's really easy to talk about all the positive moments and we often want to gloss over the bad times and as you mentioned last year I had shoulder surgery and knee surgery and um, I actually haven't been paddling on the white water for a year now which has really taken me through some some dark times. I remember talking to Etienne Stott who's won gold in London 2012 but is just an incredible man and, and part of the canoeing community and he said when I was really struggling with my relationship to canoeing I felt kind of a bit of a fraud because I was thinking well I'm trying to get all these girls into canoeing because I'm talking about how great it is but actually I feel like it's, it's broken me at the moment and it's and I feel really angry about the upset that it's caused me and I talked talked to him along these lines and he said to me well are you are you just telling the, the girls they should be in canoeing to become Olympic champions and I was like well of course not no it's about what canoeing gives them it's about confidence and friendship and being outside and traveling the world and he was like well maybe you need to take your own advice or, or something along those lines and I was and I wasn't really in a mindset to hear it at that moment but I think as I've reflected more on it I've realized that actually I need to kind of practice a little bit what I'm preaching and not just see the disappointment and that's definitely easier than sometimes than others but I think having this project has kept my relationship with canoeing and I think we could be in rockier places if I didn't have it. Well I'm really glad that you do have it and I'm glad that it's uh, bringing you enjoyment in the sport. So I guess to finish up on a, a positive note um, I'm still very much tuned into, although I'm not watching you racing, I've been watching the, the work you've been doing sort of on Instagram. And can you just give us a little roundup of some of the stuff you've been doing during lockdown with Slalom Inspires? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as most events have been cancelled, ours, of course, were cancelled. So we decided to put on a virtual event and on the same day as our Welsh event would have been, which, I mean, we really had no idea what to expect. But... Uh, we had four hours of activities and I was like oh are the girls gonna get bored by the end and it absolutely flew by we had we built foam boaters we had a talk from Alice Deering who's a um a GB swimmer uh, we had a cook along which was um the the gar girls I mean we had like eight eight-year-old girls up to kind of 14 15 and they cooked scrambled eggs and some of them it was their first time like cooking anything and some of the mums had got got in touch with me after and said they're still eating scrambled eggs for breakfast three weeks later or for lunch three weeks later so it was it was that was funny and then we've also done um, a bunch of Instagram lives where we I mean Instagram's just so incredible we, we've interviewed I think seven athletes from all over the world we had Jess Fox who's who's Australian who's literally top of the sport she's the the goat in canoe slalom tonight actually is our is our final webinar we've we've done a series of performance webinars on um coach athlete relationship snc and tonight's on psychology i think it's just been 
really important that we keep supporting um our community kind of throughout this and they've been great and I've got a great group of volunteers that are um, helping come up with um, creative ideas um, so it's yeah it's been good it's been good for me as well keeping me occupied with things. I think it's great that you're not staying in your comfort zone you're pushing yourself so far out of it and you're not shying away from the big topic you're covering such a range of topics with the girls that are involved and the team that you've got involved with sort of volunteers are amazing thank you very much for your time and thank you very much for talking to us about it yeah it's been really inspiring and uh, my hope is that some of our sailors and boaters can really take some inspiration from you uh, and kickstart their own initiatives either part of the pioneer project or, or on their own uh, but uh, you know thank you very much for your time thank you so much for having me and to anyone that that wants to chat about ideas or advice or anything, then just get in touch. We're my web, we're Slam as far as is just slamasbars.com and we're on that's our handle for Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything. So so yeah, thank you so much, um, Claire and Robin. It's been great chatting. A massive thank you to Robin and Claire for interviewing Ailey. She really is an incredibly inspiring role model, and we hope that her story will help encourage others who are taking on a large project or who have an idea that they want to pursue. Creating a more inclusive boating community is a key aim for our team of pioneers, and they've been working on various projects in their own environment. One of the projects the pioneers wanted to highlight and to take on this uh, over lockdown was the Women's VR Championships. This really was a fantastic event and demonstrated the positive impact of virtual racing. It really is something that lots of people can get involved with. Scottish sailors have been performing really well at the national online events and Jack caught up with colleagues from RYA who have been working on the national e-sailing programme. So we're very lucky today to have some key colleagues from Hamble, who has been in the sort of the background working with the e-sailing scene uh, and really sort of sort of championing the e-sailing uh, program during lockdown. So today we're joined by Adam McGovern, the RDO for the Northwest, and Jack Fennick, the Kilbert Development Manager in Hamble. We're also joined with Robin, as you know, uh, RDO in Western Scotland, um, and he's a bit of a keen uh, VR racer too. So thanks guys for coming and joining in uh, a little chat. So team, what has been happening with e-sailing during lockdown? So the first thing we managed to do is uh, Virtual Regatta kindly gave uh, an offer for clubs to get a free VIP pass, which kind of kick-started it all. And I think we got, oh, it went crazy. We got almost 400 clubs get a VIP pass, which was awesome. And that sort of kick-started some uh, ideas around doing some events. So we did the um, Lockdown Cup, which was just a, a group of us got together just to, to sort of trial the idea of streaming it. And then that spread into the uh, the Spring Club Champs and the uh, the Class Champs as well, which uh, are the events we've done so far kind of just all evolved from... Uh, yeah, just an initial uh, initial chat with Virtual Regatta, really. I'm just going to get in early and say there's a couple of Scots that won a couple of those events that you uh, that you just mentioned. So, yes, it's been quite fantastic, really, the, the sort of uptake, hasn't it? It's been been really great. In Scotland, we've had uh, the junior coaching uh, events that have been going on, the junior junior spring championships. We've also had a really great event, the women, Scottish Women Championships. So loads have been going on. What's been the highlights for you personally and some of the challenges that, that you faced? For me, the uh, the highlights have got to be the finals of both the the class and the club championships. Both of them came down to the uh, 
the final race, which was awesome. And uh, as you point out, Scotland are, are truly dominating the e-sailing world at the minute. I think your guys are ranked first, second and third in the UK national rankings at the minute. Yeah, you've uh, yeah the final races were amazing on both those events. I think the challenge for me has just been with uh, so many people involved, the, the admin that's come along with that uh, has been crazy. I'm not you. I've, I've uh, used to a fair bit of admin, but it sort of went up uh, tenfold during this event. Uh, but it's all been good fun. Yeah, I think I'd probably agree with Adam there. I think having watched these uh, high-level races, it's it's been incredibly enjoyable to see what looks like incredibly tight, uh, great fun racing going on. From from the program side of stuff, when we do stuff with the British Keelboat Academy, it's been an amazing tool for for those sailors to remain connected in a sailing environment whilst not being able to walk outside the front door in the early stages, but just for groups of friends uh, on an informal basis, just to have sort of communication. A lot of people have been doing Zoom quizzes and, and stuff like that, but actually the activity of clubs doing their Wednesday night racing uh, on virtual regatta or groups of mates doing some team racing or match racing or lots of different uh, options and, and, and opportunities there. And that's been awesome. Like absolutely great to just carry on racing um, whilst we've been stuck at home. Fantastic. So so Robin and I have been volunteered into a bit of commentary. I hear, Jack, you did a bit of commentary before. How did you find that? And, and is that a key part to making sort of this platform work? For, from my experience, pre-COVID, uh, we cover a lot of the sailing events that we attend, the match racing, the British Keelboat League. So I'm quite used to talking about sailing as it happens. Um, and this isn't really much different. The, the key difference for me is that all of my races are at least 12 minutes long. And these races are six and a half, seven minutes long, two laps. You've got start sequence in there. There's so much going on. And you do five races in an hour. And I am exhausted at the end of it. It's so intense from the instant that that first gun goes all the way around the racetrack. It's been incredible to see. And I think it's so much easier to engage with than uh, normal sailing. To get those camera shots on a, on a regular racetrack would cost tens of thousands of pounds but we get it for free on here so there's quite a lot of learning opportunities and adam's done a whole load of videos on how you can use it to progress but actually our our, our keelboat academy sailors the british keelboat academy sailors are going on here and they're practicing their starting and they're looking at their ley lines and they're, and they're doing all sorts of real world stuff in a virtual regatta environment so yeah i mean like you say from the commentary it's great because you can see it live you can get different camera shots you can see what's going on you can assess how people are thinking and talking to them straight away afterwards as well to find out why they made decisions and don't get me wrong i don't think anyone's planning on picking their spinnaker up 10 seconds before the start when we come back to the real world but actually um there's lots of stuff that's been learned and you can see it going on in such a quick environment and you can keep picking up things all the way through it it's been brilliant some great insight there robin you've um been running it with your your club clyde windsurfing club uh, and you've used it as a as a, I suppose, a real engagement tool with your junior sailors you know what's been some of the, the challenges and highlights for you yeah so we, we were really fortunate that uh we we joined up with a few of the windsurfing clubs across scotland and uh, we have a a wednesday night series for the kids uh we really took it as an opportunity to keep that engagement up because these guys have spent the winter training with each other and we just thought it was a great, great way to, well, as we know, windsurfers aren't great on the rules. So we thought maybe this might be a good way to teach them. Uh, and it turned out to be uh, fantastic. So we meet every Wednesday night uh, and we do it via Zoom. We've got lots of adults coming in and uh, parents of the kids. And uh, yeah, we, we have around about 18 kids uh, regularly. 
racing round the course. It's fair to say that uh, the first few weeks it was um, getting their head around exactly what rules meant what was quite entertaining. But uh, yeah, no, it's been really interesting to see the level of interaction, the kids play music during it. We have a bit of commentary, uh, but it's been really, really good fun. Um, and in actual fact, some of the kids have gone on to compete in some of the events that the gentleman will be talking about, um, and they, they thoroughly enjoyed it. Found it a bit intimidating because obviously, as you do go into the competitions, it does become quite serious at times. But we've got prizes, so we have a series prize, which is a very nice carbon boom for the winner. We also have weekly prizes, which is hats, t-shirts, uh, stickers, all sorts of stuff going on. Um, so yeah, we just try to keep it as light and as interactive as possible. Um, but we do that across multiple clubs. It's working well. So so on to the future then of e-sailing. Obviously, one of the benefits of, of lockdown is we've had some time to play around with e-sailing and hopefully attract some new people to the, to the sport in that way. We've certainly had some amazing uptake of uh, of mums and daughters playing e-sailing e-sail, uh, together and competing with each other. What do we think the future looks like for e-sailing? We're sort of looking at what to do because we think there's got a big place for it in the future just because of the way that you can just so easily interact with it and you can just do it when the weather's bad. And I think particularly in the winter, uh, I see a massive opportunity for us to to use it as a sort of engagement tool with our, our clubs and sailors over the winter. Um, so I'm, I'm massively keen to look at the possibility of a uh, sort of winter event. Yeah, from a club point of view, I know at my club we're going to be using it uh, uh, well, all through the summer a little bit, but massively during the winter just to stay connected with each other. Yeah, I think I think Adam's right. I think it's a it's a great way for clubs and and classes and everybody to to maintain engagement with each other when they're not out on the water. And that's not just a COVID thing. That's winter time. It's cold, wet. It's miserable. Um, our British Gilbert Academy do a lot of training through the winter, but actually it's once a month. And having something like this where they can get together once a week, once a fortnight, have a bit of banter. I mean, they they they've got a WhatsApp chat going at the same time. Um, I'm not allowed in it, which is probably quite a good thing. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts of uh, mick taken out of each other and just having a great time. And it's short, it's quick, but it maintains that engagement continually. So uh, I think I think it's got an opportunity to maintain the fun side of the sport as well as the competitive side of the sport. Because as with everything, we need as many people as possible to be enjoying what they're doing. It's not about winning the championships. It's just about having a bit of fun. And the fact that you can finish work, finish studying, finish whatever you're doing, log on for 20 minutes, do a couple of races, and then go and have supper or whatever. Um, I think it's got huge potential, no no foul weather gear required. So yeah, I think I think it's got a, a huge, it's going to be a bigger part of the sport as we go forward from just a fun perspective as well as a competitive aspect. So there's going to be some uh, seasoned hardy sailors out there that are going to be like, look, this is not sailing. You know, this is this is an e-game. This is computer games. Can we really learn from a computer game and apply it to the water? You know, what's the negative? Is there a negative of E7? Well, I was probably originally one of those hardy sailors that's like, it's a computer game. I'm not into computer games. But it was actually my, um, my little brother, who's um, one of the British sailing team coaches, that, that got me into it. Uh, and he actually plays with his squad while they're at the airport and stuff and waiting to, to go to all these different events. And it's made me think more about uh, wind awareness, think of getting my head out of the boat, looking at um, yeah where the wind's coming from, the pressure, and actually the tactics on the sort of boat-on-boat stuff. And um, yeah, so even for the hardy sailor, I think it's got a place because it oh, everyone's on a level playing field, so it makes you think about those things that you're not necessarily thinking about on the water. In my GP, I usually get get stuck on, is my mast set up right? Are my sails set up right? Have we got enough kicker on? 
you don't need to think about all of that because it's perfectly set up. But it gets you your head out of the boat, and I think that that's where it, its place is is for those. Uh, elements that you don't always focus on when you're sailing because you've got so many other variables. Adam's exactly right there. It's not sailing as we know it, but then nor is match racing, nor is team racing, nor is sprint racing. They're all different facets of the same sport. And each of those disciplines has relevance to the other disciplines. So team racing is great for overtaking people at marks. Match racing is great for learning how to cover somebody properly. Sprint racing is great for making sure your starts are better because if you don't get that right, then you've got to learn from, from that and, and improve. And virtual racing is no different. It makes you so much more tactically aware because you've got a minute to get that first beat right. And if you're not in the zone in that, then then you're not going to be first at the windward mark. So it's not the same, but it's not the same. So let's not pretend that it is, but let's take those key ingredients from it that we can use when we when we go back into our normal racing and be better when we when we do what we want to do more of the time. But that doesn't make it a valuable tool for us in, in, in everything that we do. It is, it's interesting because yeah. the, the decision-making is the same a lot of the time as what you do on the water. So you need to decide where you're going downwind on the upwind leg, and you do in real life as well. And coming up to the leeward mark, you need to about a third of the way to go. You need to think about what you're doing at that bottom mark, and you have to do that in real life as well. So although it's what you're doing is slightly different, you're playing on a game, but um, the thought process and the decisions, are actually you're making the same decisions, whether it's a computer game or real life, you should be making the decisions that, at the same time so there's a lot of crossover i'm hoping that it's going to be around for a lot longer and we we, we see a lot of a lot more things with with e-sailing uh, one final question for you though is and it's a bit of a debate going on around the usage of e-sailing um and is it for the young old male female you know what's the trends what's your thoughts and yeah what, what's been happening it, for me, it's for everyone. It, it's the at the minute there's a it's got more male players at the minute, but I think um, hopefully we can try and uh, try and even that up slightly. I think it's for everyone. I say I, I on our club racing, we I have a great match race with one of the young topper sailors each week. He seems to uh, we seem to get in a bit of a battle each week, and that just doesn't happen on the water normally. But it's been been great for them. We've got members much older than myself uh, that are really into it. So I think it's. Uh, yeah, it is It is for everyone because it's so easy to access and it's so easy to play, actually. It, it's got to be essentially the most accessible part of our sport in terms of zero barriers. If you've got an internet connection and, and, and a phone, um, then you're good to go. I think um, Adam's, Adam's the nail on head. We haven't had as much uptake from, from uh, female sailors, from women, and, and probably not as much from older sailors as well. It, it's always going to appeal more to, to certain people, but that's fine. Match racing appeals to certain people. Team racing appeals to certain people. Keelboat League appeals to certain people. And, and that's fine. I think all we have to do is indicate the bits that are useful for, for everyone else so that people will get some enjoyment from it. Some people will want to use it more than others, but as long as everybody understands the benefits of it, then I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and a good stat at the minute is we are currently the, the leading nation in the UK from the amount of people using the game on a daily basis. So the UK on the inshore game is the uh, is leading the way on participation. The offshore game is still uh, very heavily heavily for the French, I think. But yeah, inshore-wise, we've got uh, mass participation now, so it would be uh, yeah good to carry on building on that. So um, so that must make Scotland best e-sailing nation in, in the world if we're leading one, two and three at the moment. Well, we've got the, um, the notice of race, the selection policy for the Nations Cup is about to come out. 
and that will be um, there'll be an event to decide who gets selected for that event. So I think your 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 team are looking strong for it at the minute. Hopefully they'll help drive us to victory in the Nations Cup later in the year. Okay, guys, thank you very much for for joining in conversation. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Jack. Thanks, Robin. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast, Off the Water. We really enjoy making these podcasts and look forward to continuing our discussions with you about how you may approach going afloat and what you're going to do to keep yourself safe. We just want to highlight the importance of taking care to prepare yourself and your boat before going afloat. You will need to check your destinations are open and can accommodate you. We welcome your feedback and ideas for the future of the Off the Water episodes. We have created a survey and the details are in the bio. We want to make sure that the topics we cover are relevant. So please do get in touch with your thoughts on the future content. Let us know what you think. Please hit the subscribe button, give us a like, or leave a review. Remember to keep note of our website and check our social media channels for all of the latest news and updates to help you get ready to get back on the water safely and successfully in the future.